it's it's funny um, just how Jesus, when he's teaching things, he liked to use parables, parables that help people understand. And as I was praying about the kids being in the sanctuary, I had an idea about doing Simon Says, and it's going to be a parable for the kingdom of God. Uh, it's going to be a parable that we build upon today as as we're in this place. I think it reveals some pretty profound facts about the kingdom. Uh, we'll look at the word of God. Um, but it's it's also interesting. I don't remember the last time we played Simon Says in our house. It was Wednesday. I realized this was the illustration I wanted to use. Wednesday night, I heard my boys in their bedroom playing Simon Says. Um, and it's funny, uh, when I thought of this, can you imagine the guys that came up with Simon Says? Or girls, whoever it was. Like, one guy says, hey, I got a great idea. I got a game that kids are going to love. I mean, how much laughter was in this place just a few moments ago? Kids are going to love it. You know, typically when you play Simon Says, you don't get to play it just once. You got to keep playing it. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a game where there's an absolute authority. Simon. And we're going to have kids. And what are kids not good at? Listening and obeying. So let's combine absolute authority with kids who have to listen and obey to everything that absolute authority that says. Like, can you imagine everybody else that's listening to that sales pitch? Have you ever watched Shark Tank? Like where they come in and they're pitching a sales thing? Yeah, you're not getting an investor in that game. Because I'm going to look at you and say, you're absolutely crazy if you think that game's going to be any fun whatsoever. There's no kid that's going to say, yeah, I want to play a game where I have to listen intently and obey everything. Isn't it funny? Simon says, again, about absolute authority with intentional listening and radical obedience can bring such joy. Not just to those who are participating, but those who are around. Well, there's something in the kingdom of God that, that is revealed with this understanding uh, of the game. Today I want to talk about kind of the structure of the kingdom of God. Remember, we've been looking at the kingdom of God. And I should pause right now because I said I'm going to do this every week. And, and in the kingdom of God, we've talked about that there's, there's this kingdom that God teaches about, that Jesus taught about more than anything else. He used a parable that said that he compared it to treasures and pearls that, that we can discover. Last week we looked at the reality. We discover those in the Old Testament and New Testament inspired by the Spirit of God. My heart is a pastor, truly, and I cannot communicate this enough, is that God wants to reveal the treasures of his kingdom to us. But the treasures of his kingdom aren't just going to be revealed through me, but through us. And so I'm hoping that, that we're taking time, not just while we're here, maybe it happens while we're here, but throughout the week, looking into what this kingdom means. What is my understanding of the kingdom? Uh, so I'm going to pause right now and ask, and I'm going to get this microphone in faith. Um, anyone in here have a treasure about the kingdom of God they would like to share with the rest of the body? Joel, most time when people have a treasure... They're like raising their hands. Remember, we're treasure hunters. Well, I'm not sure if this is what you want exactly, but the kingdom of God, one of the things is that um, peace. Okay. That peace that transcends understanding when you give him control. 
and rely on him instead of trying to do it yourself. There's this inner peace that's wonderful. <laughs> that to me sounds like a pretty good treasure. There's peace in the kingdom of God. Does anyone else have a treasure you've discovered about the kingdom of God? You haven't even been in here. I'm not sure how you're going to do this, but see, look at you who've been in here. Just thinking. Uh, destruction. So if there's not any, like, so if you get mad, God's going to be there and, and you will have destruction. Yeah. You'll yeah. have destruction? Yeah. I'm going to let you all ponder on that one and figure out exactly what that means. But that's good. All right. It's a treasure. Anyone else? I know this is actually about real treasure, but <laughs> he cares for us. He cares about our small desires. I remember one time I said to myself that it would be really cool to find an arrowhead. I had never found an arrowhead, and I wanted to find an arrowhead. And I was working at a place up here south of town, and I was just walking around checking the fence that was around my facility, and right there on top of a molehill, was a perfect little arrowhead. And I knew that God had made sure that I found that little arrowhead. I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere on top of the tallest hill, and he answered my little thought of me wanting an arrowhead. So he cares about what we care for. Amen. This is Phyllis for those over here who can't see around the corner. It's not just a voice. Healing, he will give us healing. All we have to do is ask for it. When all else fails, get down on your knees because he'll sure be there. Amen. Amen. My greatest treasure is love. He reveals it through the little kids that are in my life. We don't have any kids, but some of these kids are just like mine and... I love them all dearly, so Amen. he reveals love to me. Amen. Any other treasures? Was that a hand? Okay, I was, I was surprised there, but I figured, hey. I just continue to keep seeking the kingdom. Um, I truly believe, as we share what we're discovering, whether it's peace, whether it's a God who takes care of us, who hears us when we pray, who heals us, who gives us love or reveals love to us. These kind of things are going to speak life to others. Uh, these are all privileges. They're all benefits of the kingdom. Uh, they're all things that we experience in the, the kingdom. Last week it was the reality that God is absolutely with us is what we heard God was speaking to someone. But continue to take time to look where? In the Word of God, the OT and the new T, the NT, inspired by the Spirit of God who God has placed inside of us, and see what God reveals as you look at His Word. So today, we're going to look at the Word of God um, when it comes to my structure or my kingdom of God structure. I'm going to start with, some, with an entire chapter in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8 is a really compelling chapter. It was one of those chapters in which we see a dynamic shift in, in Israel, a dynamic shift in God's people. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second 
I mean, who goes from Joel to Abijah? Like, Joe to whatever. His, his first son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They served at Beersheba, um, but his sons didn't follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the, uh, the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, you are old, and your sons don't follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, God, or they said, give us a king, lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not that they have, it's not you they have rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. So up until this point in Israel's history, Israel was led by not kings, but judges. And the way judges became uh, in, into authority was that God appointed judges to lead Israel through a crisis to deliver them. This was not, now again, when it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God does not mirror the world. <laughs> it's not a reflection of the world's desires. And the people in Israel are saying what? Every other nation has a king. The world is saying that kings are the way to go. Samuel appointed his sons, which I find interesting because I said judges were appointed by God. Samuel, it says, he appointed his sons. He was the one who put them in, into a position of leadership and they failed, right? And so the people of God decided that, hey, because these judge things aren't working, let's get kings. And Samuel was worried, so he goes to the Lord and God's more worried about Samuel's heart than he is about his own. It's not you that they're questioning right now. It's me. They're asking for a a king. As they've done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt and to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them. Give them what they want. We're going from a structure uh, of a kingdom that's governed by judges with God as their king. He was the king. He was the king of them all. But now they want kings that are men. They want kings that are, are from this world. Listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them, there's God's kingdom. Whenever I see king reign or rule in scripture, I think the kingdom of God, that's just my brain right now, and claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. Listen to what the world gives you. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some will assign, some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take, or he will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkey. He will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. Pretty vivid picture of what a king looks like. You want to be governed by men. Here's the reality of the kingdom of this world. He's going to take what is yours. He's going to take the best of what is yours. He's going to assign you positions that you may or may not want. You want a king, you're going to get a king. And this is what the king is going to produce. When that day comes, you'll cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. And the people 
refused to listen to Samuel. Listen to the deception in what they're saying. No, they said, we want a king over us. They had a king over them. The king of kings and lord of lords. They already had a good king over them. A king that wasn't going to be reflected in the ways of the world. A king that wasn't looking to take advantage of them or take what was, what was theirs. A king that wasn't looking to, to, to position himself up or to prop himself up because of them. No, they said, we want a, we need different authority. Isn't that really what they're asking? We need a new authority in our lives. We want a king in this world, not one that's above this world. We want a king who's going to lead us off into war because that's what everybody else has. I mean, they're saying we're weird. We're the ones without kings. When Samuel heard all this, um, well, he will not like. Be, we will then we will be like all of the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out to, before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all the people, he said he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, "Listen to them and give them a king." And Samuel said to the Israelites, "Everyone, go back to your own town." You see, the reality of kingdom structure is that that we have a God who is the one true God. He's got a role in our lives, and that role is to be king. Think about Simon. Again, this is an amazing, probably too simple illustration of the kingdom of God. What did I say to Graham at one point during my my game? There can only be one Simon. You see, when there's multiple reigns and when there's multiple rulers, things get confusing. Go to Washington, D.C. and tell me it's not confusing. Right? Right? God designed his kingdom in which there was one who reigns. There was one who is in authority. There was one who speaks. There is one who tells us what to do. Israel wasn't content because they were looking at what? They were looking at the kingdoms of the world. And they told the king, we much rather reflect the world than your way. We long for the world to determine the structure that you've designed, right? How often do we do that with our faith? We allow the world to dictate the way the structure of our faith is within the kingdom. And we see kings Man, how great is it to see a king on a horse with, like, gold armor leading them out in battle and everyone screaming behind them, victory! I mean, how great does it look to see them, them, the mighty warriors and the parades and everything else, and that looks like a wonderful structure! Man, can't we have that? Oh, pause. How often are we looking at kingdoms and longing for the kingdoms of this world to be revealed in the kingdom of God? And God is saying, he said to Samuel, this isn't about you or your leadership. This is an offense to me and my design. 
Israel might have thought they were questioning Samuel's sons, Joel and Abijah, but they were questioning God's reign and authority. And they were basically saying, God, everyone else is doing it this way. Can't we do that too? You see, the kingdom of God, there is one who reigns. God was the king. That was his role. That was his place. I believe up until they asked for it, intentionally, there weren't kings appointed in Israel because God was fulfilling that role for his people. But they weren't content. And they longed for a change. This is what the Lord says. Isaiah 44, Israel's king and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it and lay it out before me. What has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come? Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me. No, there is no other rock. I know not one. We have a kingdom in which there is a king. There is one king. There is one ruler in the kingdom of God. It's not a pastor. It's not a preacher. It's not a book. It's not a friend. We have one king who can tell us what we should do. We have one who speaks to us. That's the one who is, who was, and always will be. We have a God who says, thou shalt have no other gods beside me. He is one. He must be our authority. And that just seems so so simple. I mean, it's just simple. I'm the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no other God. Then you'll know that I'm in Israel, and that I'm the Lord your God, and there is never... Uh, And there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. The structure of the kingdom. There's a Simon who says. There's one who speaks. There's one who governs. There's one who rules. That's his position. One of the struggles with the kingdom of God in our world, when we pray your kingdom come, what's the next line? In the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. Yeah, we can say that, but do we really believe that? Because too often we're asking for other kings. Too often we're asking for others to govern. We might be governed by our thoughts. We might be governed by our wants. We might be governed by, by things or, or society or culture. We might be looking at others and saying, look at what they have. Why don't we have that within our kingdom? We might be saying, look at what they're doing. Why aren't we doing it that way? But we have a king who is in authority and he sits on a throne. And because he's on his throne, he has the, uh, the reign or authority to speak. And I need to listen and... huh. Sounds a lot like a game that I've heard of. You see, the structure of the kingdom is that there is an absolute king. Our position in the kingdom. There's a story in the... Oh, well, we'll get to this. Sorry, I'll read these first. Jesus, when he's talking about the king, these verses Greg talked about in Sunday school. John is the first verse. Jesus is the second. 
What is their instruction to the people of God about the kingdom of God coming? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew chapter 4 is when Jesus begins to preach. This is the first thing we see that Jesus preaches. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The revelation of the kingdom of God, I believe, is dependent on our repentance. For us to experience the kingdom of God, we must repent. Repent is one of those words. Now think about it. I'm going back to my analogy that that I just keep drawing from uh, as a pastor. I'm going to preach a sermon today about God being an absolute authority, and he's going to ask us to, to repent and to listen to everything he says. Yeah, that's a sermon that we like. It's a word called submission. We all like to hear about submission, right? The revelation of the kingdom of God is dependent on our repentance. Because repentance is realigning myself to a new authority. Repentance is changing in which, in what I'm listening to, in who I'm listening to. Repentance is acknowledging that I've been listening to the wrong thing and I need to be listening to the one. I need to recognize that there's something in me that has to change so I can experience what? Repent. Why? The kingdom of heaven is near, they're saying. They knew the kingdom of heaven is here. We repent so we can experience the kingdom of God. Repentance is submission to an authority. Many times, if we sit around a table and we mention the word submission... The first thing we think about is joy, right? Many times in this world, when we talk about submission, it brings feelings of contentment. Oh, see, his kingdom is different than the kingdom of this world. But I will tell you, the product of submission, the product of repentance, that's complete repentance, that's total submission, is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in you. It cannot be fulfilled without submitting. Why? Because if I haven't submitted to the one who is Lord, then I have other rulers in my life. And what is Simon with multiple rulers? It's chaos. There's a story in, in, in the scriptures. It's in Matthew chapter 19. There was this ruler, this rich young ruler, it says in some translations, who came to Jesus. And he asked him this question, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Or the kingdom of heaven, probably, because it was in Matthew. And Jesus talks about the law, right? He says, you must do all these things. And he says, all those I've kept. And so then he says, what must I do? And Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect... Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus says, here's a crazy parable. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and there's lots of stories about this kingdom of heaven parable. There's some ideas that, that there was a, a gate on the, uh, the, the kingdoms where there was, that they called the eye of a needle that all the animals had to go through and it was narrow and whatever else. 
Reality is this was a proverb that meant it was basically impossible. It was a common term in their day that meant this was one of those things that was hard or extremely uh, impossible. Now, we remember all things are possible with God. Now, for me to fathom, my high school mascot, it wasn't Campbell County, Wyoming, but it was Campbell County, Kentucky, and we were the camels. So I saw lots of camels when I was a kid. We had lots of statues of camels. Now, to picture that going through the eye of a needle, I get it. It's impossible. Um, but the reality is he's saying to them, there is something in this. There's something with this rich young ruler that makes it impossible for him to get in the kingdom of God. What is the impossibility for him to enter the kingdom? He can't fully submit. We can talk about money. We can talk about whatever. The reality of this young man was, yeah, he could do what he said he would do. He could follow the law, but he couldn't fully submit. Kingdom structure are people who wholly submit to the plans and purposes of God. The kids are here. Someone do this. I like doing it when kids are in the room because they tend to laugh. Uh, one of the ways I word this, and, and just I've preached on these verses before, I say everyone's got a butt. Right? We all got a butt, right? Simon says, touch your butt. The problem is we won't give our butt to God. The problem is too often we're saying, God, I'll give you everything but this. God, I'll do what you want, but don't ask me to go there. I'll love who you want me to love, but don't ask me to love them. I'll go where you want me to go, but don't ask me to go there. I'll do what you want me to do, but don't ask me to do that. Total submission. I love this. This is pastor stuff. Tanner, use this in Chi Alpha. Total submission is bringing your butt to the altar. I love that. It's one of my favorites. Every pastor wants to say that to someone at some month, get your butt to the altar. I mean, that's what submission is. Simon says you can stop holding your butts, kids. Those are for mine. Look at Matthew 7. There's complete submission in the kingdom of God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons? And in your, in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's something more than just acknowledging the Lord. There's a submissive peace that we do the will of the Father. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? But his promise, his plan is not what we're doing. It's who we're serving. It's who we're listening to. It's who we're obeying. The kingdom structure is, a, is, is one authority who we radically listen to. Look at John 15. It's the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. Remember what I said about submission? Who has joy in submission? Well, Jesus shows us right here that when you obey his commands, his joy will be made complete in you. I want the joy of the Lord made complete in me. It comes how? 
John 15, how do we have joy? Obeying His command, submission. We have joy in Simon in the kingdom of God. When we listen to Him who speaks, to the one who is in charge, when we listen intently, when we obey radically what He says, He says, my joy will be made complete in you. That's... That's kingdom structure. Who sits around and says, man, I look forward to a place where I, 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 have, I have to be radically submitted to something. The kingdom of God is not defined in this world. The kingdom of God isn't defined in where we are. Just like Simon doesn't make sense, I will say in this world's eyes, the kingdom doesn't make sense. People will say to you, that doesn't even sound fun. Deny yourself? No. Look at what everyone else is doing. Look at the way in which they're living. Doesn't that seem more fun? Doesn't that seem more enjoyable? Doesn't that seem more fulfilling? First Samuel chapter 8, Israel sought another king. April 30th, 2020, 23. I think sometimes we're still seeking other kings. You guys can come forward. This morning as we've talked about the kingdom of God, my heart, my, my, my position is a, a couple of questions. Have you made God the sole authority in your life? Have you given God the position? See, these kids this morning, they're much more radical about their obedience to Simon than we are about our obedience to God. Their reward was what? Absolutely nothing except for that prideful peace that we have that we got to win. Our reward is peace. Our reward is joy. Our reward is forgiveness. Our reward is the assurance that God is with us, the knowledge that, that he's, He showed me how to love, the promise that He will heal me, the assurance that He's in control, the promise that, that we are victorious. That's my reward as the kingdom of God. But we're more intent to listening to men than we are to listening to Him. Man, Maybe I should do this. Boy, this is bad. How quickly did the kids run to the altar? The place Simon says. How quickly do we run to the altar to be a part of this kingdom? Father, this morning in this place, I ask for the revelation of the kingdom of God. You taught us in your word, God, to pray that your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, the revelation of your kingdom is not defined by this world. It doesn't come about in this world. It comes about by the knowledge that you are God.
worthy authority. It almost seems too simple to say, You're the Simon. You're the one who speaks, to whom I listen and obey. God, your role is certain. You are. You say, I am. That's how you're defined. You've always been. You will always be the King of kings and Lord of lords. That is never changing. But what changes about the kingdom of God is my position. And God, if there's some in this place that need to hear the word repent, that means change. That means align yourself with the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I pray that this day we repent. can acknowledge there's been other things governing our lives our thoughts our actions and God this morning if there's a but a place where we struggle to submit a limit to our submission, a definer of, of one whose, whose authority maybe is a little bit greater in our life, whether it's a pursuit, whether it's a problem, whether it's a person. I pray, God, that today we can come and say it's before you and lay it at your feet. And say, God, today I, I trust you as king. Declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. That because God raised Him from the dead, His kingdom has been revealed. His kingdom is available. His kingdom is here. And He is the way, the truth, and the life into the kingdom of God. So I declare Him as Lord. So I can live in the fulfillment of His kingdom. With peace with joy, with confidence, with love, with the assurance because His kingdom is here. God, thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have them sing a song and I'm just going to say it. If you've got a butt this morning and you need to bring it to the altar, come lay it before him. You can come up here and pray. You can just come up here and, and, and act like you're laying it down. You can stay where you're at, but, but sometimes we need to re- repent and realign ourselves with his lordship. He is God. I need to submit wholly to him. Next week is the sermon we want to hear. It's about the keys. Next week is about the authority. But I promise you, until you get this week, you'll never get the keys. So my encouragement as a pastor, I'm not saying that we didn't, but I'm just saying you continue to ponder on this. You continue to wrestle with your butt. You continue to ask God if I wholly submit it to you because Peter didn't get the keys until he declared who Jesus Christ truly is. So I promise the, the message next week is much more important when we've done this week. It's much more valuable when we've done this week. So uh, I'll say this, the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace, and may you intently listen and radically obey the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen?
Be blessed.